Oh, I missed that song. I missed the <laughs> countdown song. Brandon, hi, how are you? <laughs> I'm so good, Chloe. It's so good to see you again. Oh my gosh. Uh, it has been so long since I have seen you on this show. Um, let's see. Back three weeks ago with Jay. Uh, shout out to Jay. Definitely watch that previous episode if you hadn't. Um, hello, everyone. Welcome to 8-Bits. We're back. The gang is back. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Shout out to PJ for stepping in for me uh when I was out a couple weeks ago and we've been uh we've been offline letting letting uh things the election happened. Uh, right. we've, we've now returned and uh, <laughs> Brandon, how are you doing? What's what's been going uh, on in your world? Oh, doing really well. Um I won't I won't give it away just yet, but I'm super excited for the guest we have today because what's been going on in my world is been working feverishly on my Git Trends app. So yes, check it out. The show. Yep. GitTrends.com. G-I-T-T-R-E-N-D-S.com. But uh, yeah, been, we've been working on version two Ooh. and it just so happens to be that our guest today is the guy... Who's helping me do it? And so <laughs> been putting tons of work into it and it's almost there. We have like one more page in the app to do. And then version 2.0, wow. hot off the presses, will be will be coming soon to an app store near you. And I oh, I'm just so excited. There's so many new features. And I think the best part about this is these are all features that the community asked for. Because yeah. Yeah, because Git Trends is it's totally open source. So when you go to gittrends.com, it actually takes you to the GitHub page. And anybody can open up um, a feature request there, or hopefully there's no bugs. We can report a bug there. And so, yeah, everything we've been working on is all feature requests from the community, uh, from our fellow users. And so I just, yeah, can't wait to push it out to the world and give give the people what they want. You know what I mean? (laughs) I am super excited. Uh, Speaking of V2s and things, um, PJ, our guest, our special guest on the show often, uh, PJ and I added some special features to Shania Bot. So our V2 of Shania Bot will be coming out soon. You can, of course, follow Shania Bot at bot underscore Shania on Twitter. Um, so we built this bot for those, maybe for some new people. We've got 16 people watching. Exciting. <laughs> watching oh, live. For anybody who's not familiar with Shania Bot, um, myself and PJ Metz built this Twitter bot that every morning at 9 a.m. tweets, Let's Go Girls, which famously is a lyric from a Shania Twain song to motivate you to start your day. Uh, We built this completely with Logic Apps with no code, but then we made our V2 where we've added all these extra special features. It's been really, really fun. This is PJ's first time playing with an API. So we're using Azure to host it, and pretty soon... You will be able to tweet Shania Bot, and when you use any sort of word that's like, hey, Shania, does this impress you? Hey, are you impressed by this? She'll respond, that don't impress me much. Like, <laughs> So keep an eye out for that. Uh, and yeah, right. I'm also excited that we're streaming to my Twitch today because right. I'm going to start uh, twitching soon. <laughs> As the kids say, I don't know what they say. Is, is, is that what it's called? <laughs> I don't think Are you so. twitching? <laughs> I think they're probably streaming. Seem right. uh, but I'm really. Is, is it fleeting? Yeah. Is it called no, fleeting? I don't think <laughs> it's very on Twitter. That's something else. Um, but I'm going to be uh, twitching a bunch of twitching, twitching, streaming a bunch of um, really fun tech content with the students that I work with with Bit Project this week. So um, I've been working with these students that are so, oh my gosh, Brandon. These kids, I'm not even going to say kids because they're like mini CEOs in the making, are going to put us out of jobs or they're going to be our bosses someday. They're building these awesome, awesome apps with Azure Functions and they're presenting them to the world this week. So uh, definitely check out my Twitch for that. I'm also going to be crafting cool. weird puppets and stuff. So that's, uh, that's what's been going on in my world. But I think right. it's time to bring in our guest. What do you think? Ooh. Yeah, let's do it. Uh, so yeah, like I said, I am so excited to have him on. Uh, I've known Luis uh, for years, and we've been working really closely together for 
Oh gosh, probably the last eight or nine months on our Git Trends app. Um, and so Luis has taken and, uh, the idea that I had for the app and he's the one that created this amazing UI. We, we actually live stream the work we do on the app together every Wednesday and every Friday on the .NET Dominicana Twitch channel. But without further ado, let's bring him on. Let's welcome Luis Pulhos. Hey, Luis. Hi, Hi, Brandon. Hi, Chloe. Such a long time without seeing you guys. (laughs) Super excited to be here. (laughs) I love. Yeah, welcome uh, to the show. Yeah, thank you. I love what Chloe was saying about her recent projects with her students in the Twitch. I'll make sure to follow that. And I'm excited to see what they're working on those bots. Uh, yeah, really there's exciting. some <laughs> really interesting problems being solved by students um, that I've never thought of because school was so, so different for me. <laughs> we didn't really use the internet when I was in high school. Um, well, we did, but <laughs> we were submitting day. our homework through the internet, <laughs> I should say. Um, and one of the students has built this really interesting project that uh, converts images to PDFs because when you need to submit your homework, you know, if you write it by hand, you have to take a picture. And the only format that whatever software is accepting this is only in PDF. So there's these very practical applications for problems that I wouldn't think exist, but it's true in the age of digital schooling and working, there's all these really cool, interesting projects to be built. So I'm excited to show them off to the world. <laughs> oh, yeah. Just so it's just so such smart people. Like when I think back to, you know, what was I doing in high school and college? Like, I mean, well, we don't have to get into exactly what I was doing. <laughs> <laughs> Had a lot of fun in high school and college. But yeah, I was not changing the world. And I feel like that's already the focus of these students is like, let's make projects that makes the world a better place. And it could be more proud of them and can't wait to see what they've done. Yeah. Last time we had, um, so this is my second time working with, with Bit Project. And the first time one of the students who presented did a, uh, it was an in tool or in browser tool that would help determine, um, if a article was leaning politically left or right. So it was, it was built before the election. And, um, I highly recommend tuning in for these presentations live because this student even, wore a costume he had a tinfoil hat for his presentation so it's it's a it's a spectacle it's entertainment i'll be hosting it it'll be a grand old time <laughs> love it all righty well i for all the people who are home who are maybe like wondering so i know how the two of you obviously are working on the official the unofficial official app of the show get trends but tell us a little bit Lewis, how you've how you've sort of made your way into the microsoft world how did you come in contact with brands and what was your path to how did you get to the show with us talking about crazy <laughs> things in 2020? <laughs> yeah so who's Lewis Pujols, right um I'm basically a software engineer, uh, originally from the Dominican Republic. I was born here in New York, in Newark, New Jersey, but I moved when I was like six years old uh, to the R, and I was raised there with my family. I studied uh, software engineering in Instituto Tecnológico de Santo Domingo, and I was just really curious at a young age about technology and was always involved with like uh, computers and uh, was always involved with computers and being around the tech world, but I I never in a million years when I was in my high school would have thought that I was going to end up uh, working as a software engineer, right? And and being in the tech world. So eventually, and when I got to high school, I I found out, I I decided I was going to study software engineering. There's a really good story behind that. Uh, but before we get to that, I just wanted to give you a brief introduction of how I got into the world. Right? So I started studying software engineer in the YAR. I became really active with the community. And that's how I got to know about Brandon, right? Because I will, I will share the <laughs> I, will, I will try and connect with the Souring community. And uh, Brandon is really active. He has a ton of blog posts. Uh, at the moment, I'm working as a senior summary mobile developer for a uh, Fortune 500 com- uh, company here called Ryder. 
And I was always really involved with the Samarin community. So eventually I got to be proud of him and we just connected right away. <laughs> and he presented me his project, uh, Get Trends. Uh, I was one of the first beta testers. I'm proud of that. Okay, okay. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> and Back in the day. Was, yeah. Once I saw it, I immediately <laughs> noticed it was open source. And I was like, okay, yeah. how could I contribute to this project, right? Because uh, I noticed Brandon wanted to have this uh, go a step further. And he was calling uh, the community to help him out. Uh, so one of the, the areas uh, I immediately noticed what, was that we could improve the UI UX of the app, right? <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> being being very nice about that. Yeah, the, yeah. <laughs> the UI made the UI the UI I made looked really bad, and yeah, Luis is like, um, I could do a lot better, <laughs> and it did. It did. It looks amazing. Yeah, it was a really interesting project for me. I had a ton. I have a ton of fun working on it with Brando because we knew we wanted to make the UI better. But we knew none of us are designers, right? <laughs> so we were like, okay, we're just developers, but we know uh, like what is the level of quality we want to have in the UI. We want it to look really modern and and, and that at a glance, if the user you, um, opens the app, he can get all the information he needs and can keep track of its rebels, right? Yeah. So we literally had a ton of challenges at first. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> um, <laughs> But a lot of things, a lot of good things came out of that because we got to learn about material design. We got to learn about um, uh, colors and how design fits into the whole this, uh, the whole uh, process of developing a product, right? And how your users actually, even like you as a developer, you think, okay, I have to do this uh, couple of pages, and I'm just uh, gonna put the data here. And as long as the data comes up, everybody's going to get it, right? <laughs> but we discovered that, no, actually, it's not like that. As soon as we changed the UI and we started implementing all these best practices that we found, uh, we saw an immediate increase in the, in the user base for Git Trends. We reached, That's great. Uh, yeah, we reached like top 50, I think, in the first uh, week of the update. That's right. right. Yeah, yeah, I mean... <laughs> Technically, so yes, but uh, we were uh, in the top, actually, I think it hit like top 30, I think we reached 36 wow. in the developer tools category on the iOS yeah. app store. That was really cool. That's and, great. Uh, yeah. And I also then... want to plug, uh, this is uh, a blog post that Luis put together about essentially how how he created it. I, uh, I went ahead and shortened the link, but it's this beautiful uh what's what is the name of that website you use for it it's behance it's a website behance that, yeah. yeah yeah it's the website that a lot of designers use to post their work and their portfolios and they it's like basically like a a marketplace and a social media for designers to to be creative right and share their their work there so i feel like we, there's a huge opportunity for like a meme account or like a tumblr <laughs> or something that's like websites or apps by engineers who think they're designers because yeah. i think that that's oh, yeah. like a conversation i have so much with my designer friends where they're like i work with all these engineers and they think they can design and it's such yeah. a like and it's true like some, some of us do have an eye for design but it's like okay yeah we should leave this to the professionals sometimes yeah. <laughs> but it's amazing what like a simple change of like color or even like rounding a button or like moving it to a different place can do for user engagement it's night and day yeah definitely, definitely. And, and we try always to in our live streams that we do on wednesday and fridays we always try to keep it like uh, real with our attendees and in terms of that we know we are developers and we're trying to to like implement all the designs that, do, <laughs> that they probably are not going to be a hundred percent right because we're we're just trying new stuff right but yeah. we that's a good part of open source we have everything published in our uh, repo and we have even the adobe xd project so we are always open to if a designer is out there or someone that has more knowledge in design about us and, and wants to add a change to come up in this even in the stream and like, hey, I want to be in the stream and let's try and redo this page and and they can give us tips, right? 
Yeah. I love it. It's like a uh, live, live uh, consulting. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, I think the, oh, no, go ahead, Brandon. I said, yeah, just yet yeah, to round it off. Uh, I think the thing I love the most about uh, Luis's take on how to create these designs is he's essentially boiled everything everything down to structured rules and that's what i love about this um this behance article that we have scrolling on the ticker at the bottom is that somebody like me who yeah i'm an engineer i'm very analytical i want i can make the app functional but how do i make it look good that like good is such a a vague abstract term but what luis has done is talked about like uh how do you do shadows how do you think about it in terms of elevation how do you do colors how do you do colors on light themes and dark themes and it's all just like very strategic very surgical and it it really works well in in my brain that just wants like just i'm just like tell me what to do (laughs) and i'm gonna do it and mobile is such a like ever-changing space for that i feel like i feel like android design is so so different than iphone design which is so so different from like now we have two screens oh my gosh like throwing a whole other level (laughs) (laughs) yeah i think that's the main hurdle we face as developers and it's that we already have so much to learn in in the back end side and making the apps functional and then when we face the the that, that now we have to do the design and we know we start hearing about, oh, but there's actually something called color theory that you should, uh, there's yeah. colors that work for some <laughs> certain type of products and, not, and others that work for another objective, right? And there's also like accessibility. You have to think about that the colors have to have enough contrast between them. And you're just like, okay, and this is just colors. And I have already like an hour reading stuff. So how am I going to do this? So that's why uh, we try to, like, as Brandon say, make it as simple uh, as possible for, for developers to consume this uh, design uh, best practices and also put it in a way that they are thinking about how they're going to implement it in the product while you are designing, right? Because maybe in our case, we're using summary forms and we know what we have available as developers to create our, our UI UX. So while we're doing the design, we say, okay, maybe I want this button to be a circle or like a really complex uh, 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 figure, right? And But since we know what we have available out of the box, we say, okay, no, instead of uh, making it like a, a, a circle with a triangle in the middle, let me just make it a circle and with, uh, with this gradient and I can use this component that I have available. And that way, when we go to implement the design, it goes uh, way more quickly, and we already have our code ready to to receive that what, what we were designing, right? Yeah, huge, mm-hmm. huge benefit there because, um, well, I can only speak for the mobile world, but in the mobile world, um, there's always that battle between developers and designers because designers can create this awesome UI but then it's the developer that has to implement it. And sometimes it's just not possible with the tools you have. And so then what do you do? Well, now you have to go back to the drawing board or create a compromise. And sometimes the designer wins and sometimes the developer <laughs> wins. But yeah, that's that's what I love about um, when Luis and I are uh, doing these uh, UI design sessions. We, we know the tool set we have. So we can always think about it in a sense like that, like, we were just talking uh, last week on the stream about uh, adding in some animations. So we're adding in Ooh. the ability to uh, favorite or one of your GitHub repos. It'll, if you favorite it, it'll always turn up at the top of the list. And we're like, what if we animated the favorite button? So like it kind of does like a little bounce or a little splash. Um, and- I'm only mildly disappointed that it's not <laughs> like a gif of Brandon like doing a cartwheel or like his dog. Like, yeah. like I feel like all of my first apps when I was like, wait a second, you mean I can just put a gif here that's a fake loading bar? Like that yeah. blew my mind. <laughs> fake loading bar. <laughs> <laughs> like, I think it was during Hack Bright. One of my classmates ended up doing that where she's like, you know, it takes a couple seconds for this to load. So I have it go to this page and it shows this, you know, and I was like, how did you build that? She's like, oh, it's just a GIF. And I was like, so you're saying yeah. I could just put a GIF of a loading bar. <laughs> <Yeah>. Mind blowing. 
Yeah, and that's that's another thing uh, that has been really good about us doing these sessions and this article, and is that a lot of the signs we used to look like they were really advanced and like really polished. We would see them and we would be like, "Oh my god, how how am I actually going to implement that in a mobile app?" Right. So this has given us like a good practice on how to reuse what we have available, combine it, and get actually the design we want. So maybe we use, as you said, uh, we have a loader uh, that it's like a custom loader. Oh, we know now that we have a, a, a really good um, a nugget in, in, in C Sharp and we can create an Illustrator file. So we get the animation, we export that and we just add it to the app and it just works. And we, in our mind, we thought we were gonna have to make like the shape and, and code and like uh, deal with the SVG, but no. It's uh, you start to discover how how it's way more how your tool set is way more flexible and how you can get uh, more creative by just uh, practicing doing UI UX and trying to implement it and and do it on your own, right? Yeah, absolutely. I love this uh, comment here from Surly Dev. <laughs> I'll give a shout out to my shirt, which says, "To whoever took my Microsoft Word, I will find you." You have my word. Microsoft Office, I should say. Yeah, um, very bad, bad pun. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but I love this. Uh, it's really dumb. Said I changed the weight cursor on Windows 2000, I think it was, on a colleague's PC to a pair of googly eyes that spun around instead of the hourglass. Uh, I wish I could do this now. <laughs> and, <laughs> silly every time we saw it. Oh, my gosh. That is amazing. And uh, you're giving me ideas. It. it reminds me of my MySpace <laughs> With the like dragging the cursor around and adding oh, yeah. different HTML. <laughs> the MySpace era where you had like all the glitters in your in your profile page and you thought like you were the best. Uh, by we that peaked. time, I had no idea. <laughs> I thought I was like the best engineer because I would. Have, you were. Like, yeah, I would have my mouse <laughs> moving around. <laughs> my life. I feel layer. like aesthetic of like computing for me personally like born too late like I got to live in it but I wish that I had like a bank account like because right now I would have all of those big iMacs like the the clear candy apple case ones and yeah. uh, but I, I just tweeted this morning did either of you have the little digital planners they were like these little they were just like contact books and they had like they looked oh, yeah. like a calculator so I tweeted out these pictures this morning of these <laughs> early ones that they had specifically for girls. I'm right now collecting a lot of uh, toys, like early childhood toys that were geared towards girls because uh, they're not there aren't a lot of computer themed toys for girls from like the 90s. And uh, there is a clueless digital planner that you can buy um, that is pretty incredible where you can put in your contacts, your cool activities, your jams, anything you want. Wow. And uh, <laughs> I think um, I'm going to be starting to share some more of these these toys on the show. So stay tuned, y'all. <laughs> speaking of MySpace, nice. we were chatting a little bit uh, about how you you had mentioned before that you never pictured yourself in this world doing this kind of stuff. And I want to go back to that because same. Um, <laughs> and I would love to know what your journey was from, I mean, I think we all still experience imposter syndrome this to this day, but how did you get from that mindset of like, that's not who I am to working on what you do now? Yeah. So it's actually a really, uh, I would say interesting story because, uh, how I started, uh, and later I connected it once I reflected and now that I'm working in the field, I can go back to that moment and I said, oh, that's actually the moment in which I got in touch with tech and got me hooked, but I did not realize it. So as I told you before, I started working at a really young age because my family has a characteristic uh, that we have always had a family run business, which is uh, uh my dad is a cabinet maker, so he used to he used to have a workshop to sell furniture to stores uh, in Dominican Republic. So since like 14, 15, he will allow me to go to the workshop and learn how to how to do the craft, like how to create cabinets, how to create kitchens, how to create sofas. So I really got like into that, and I really enjoy making stuff with my hands and just looking at his drawings, how he would like think about a space. 
and completely transform it into something useful for your house. And that, that was that just got me hooked, right? But something happened. Uh, well, I was like in seventh grade, and it was that we got a, a financial crisis in VR that forces us, forces, forced my family to migrate back to the United States, right? So I moved in seventh grade, and once I got to the school, uh, to my new school here, uh, there's something peculiar in the art, and is that is that the education system is different than here in school. Because here in school, I noticed that you have four main subjects, right? And then you have two electives, and that's what you take every day. And I was like, oh my God, this is so awesome. Because in VR, <laughs> I actually had like so many subjects. So every day I had different subjects. I had like 10 subjects. So uh, I only had informatics in VR once a, once a week. And it was like Friday. And in that time, what they put us to do was like play Mario. Like we had Mario in a floppy disk and we would just like hook up in the computer, play Mario or use paint. And so it was like the playtime, right? So when I got here and I saw that I could have, uh, as an elective, uh, there was a subject called informatics and business. And I was like, oh, wait, so if this is informatics, I'm going to get to play every day. That sounds like a deal to me, right? So I put it in. <laughs> and once I signed up and I actually go to the class, I really enjoyed the class because the professor was uh, was an awesome professor. Uh once we got there, the whole purpose of the class was taking technology. But that time, uh, uh, it was not that developed. Like, we didn't have all this uh, cool and awesome technologies we have now. But basically, the websites in that time was just pure HTML, JavaScript, right? So what he had us do was think about a business idea. And as kids, right? Like selling cookies or something like that. Think about a business idea. And he showed us how to create a simple HTML uh, website. And we had to like present our business through that website. So it was really interesting because another requirement he has for us is that the websites, we had, like, we had to learn how to do the HTML in Notepad. And we had to know everything by memory, like all the tags and, and like the image, how the properties were. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I couldn't do my that memory. today. I'm having flashbacks <laughs> to my Google interview, like doing all of my coding in a Google Doc. Ooh. Yeah. <laughs> doing it by memory. Ooh, do you have them still memorized today? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like it's I like the alphabet. From... Yeah, because I got I got hooked right away. As soon as I saw he showed me like I put the HTML tag, I put the body, and then I put like I just write something and then he ran he ran it on the browser and it was like a page it only said hello but i was like hey i created a, a page to say hello so i got hooked and then i started learning more and more and when i felt like i was like oh my god i'm an expert uh coder now right is when i learned about the tag the marquee tag in html <laughs> that you, you have yes. the little text like we have right now on the bottom running across the screen I was yes. like, oh, my God, my site is alive, though. I'm the best engineer. <laughs> Once I learned and about Strike, um, Marquee, and also, oh, what was the other one? I feel like there were just some pivotal moments in MySpace and LiveJournal <laughs> back end, <laughs> which was technically yeah. front end, uh, that yeah. made me go, I'm a hacker. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So after that. Uh, it was 2007 while I was here, right? The crisis happened in DR. We came here. I studied that whole year. I learned that. I loved it. And then in 2008, when we were trying to get projects for my parents as well, doing wood, uh, like uh, remodeling and construction with, with wood, uh, then 2008 hit and we got another crisis. <laughs> Which was the U.S. crisis. So we had to move back. <laughs> yeah. And we, <laughs> so this is something also I reflected and I said, uh, I actually would not, would have not changed uh, even if it happened like this, because I, I know everybody goes through struggles in life. And those uh, key moments actually serve me so well 
for my professional career now because we struggled so much in that time, right? We were um, trying to get along, but we always, my, my parents, they're an inspiration to me because they always kept telling us, keep pushing harder, keep studying. Uh, don't worry, everything is going to be fine. So when we moved back to the art to try and, and get um, and get through, like find, uh, fix the situation, but living in DR now, uh, my dad completely shifted his focus and now he was only working like in wood uh, woodwork as well, but more in the more fine, fine finishing area, right? And I got back to my school and when I got back in eighth grade, I had a, a childhood friend that I grew up with him named Angel, which I teach at him. Uh, like the basics I learned about HTML and, and how to create a website, and he loved it. And after that, I kind of like completely forgot about it because we were kids, we were in eighth grade, and then I just started doing all my activities again, and I forgot about tech. But my friend, he got so hooked that since that moment on, until we graduated from high school, he kept learning on his own. And by the time we were about to graduate, he was already working in, in the software engineering in industry. He was a web developer. He was really good at it. But Wow. Yeah. Just after high school. Woo. After high school. He, <laughs> he, he's a, for me, he's one of my role models and inspirations because he's always been really dedicated. And he just took that small piece of information I gave him and he made so much more out of it. So I always have looked up to him and he actually helped me define what I was going to become once I was about to graduate in senior year. Because in senior year, I don't know if this happened to you guys as well. When I was about to graduate, I was like, okay, what am I going to do with my life, right? What am I going <laughs> to say? That's like the big question. <laughs> and what I immediately had in my head was, I want to study something that sounds like like amazing when you say it, right? Like, like being a doctor or a lawyer or maybe an architect. Because when you say that, like people uh, are like, oh my God, he's an engineer. He's, a, he's an engineer. He's an architect. So that, <laughs> those were my options. And I was like, uh, I was like uh, collecting all of those career options. Uh, but I really was not, not into any of them, really. And then when I asked my friend uh, before graduation, um, I tell, hey, Angel, what are you going to study? And he's like, oh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be a software engineer. Uh, and what about you? I'm like, ah, I'm not the side. I'm going to do this. And then he comes like, wait, you're not going to do software engineering. And I'm like, what is it? What is software engineering? Like, what are you talking about? <laughs> like, you showed me in seventh grade how to create HTML website. If you don't know what software engineering is, go search it up. And as, as soon as I search it up and I start uh, investigating what, what software engineering uh, engineers do and, and what is a, uh, uh, like software and, and how system works, I completely got hooked again. I was like, oh my God, how could I forget about this little piece that brought me so much joy so long ago? And from that point on, I decided I was going to be a software engineer. And it also helped that when I thought about being a doctor, I said, wait, if someone cuts it themselves, I can't really deal with blood. <laughs> I might call you. I might call nine one one to get some help, but I'm not gonna go and stitch it up or anything, you know. <laughs> and then I wanted to be an architect. I said, "Yeah, but I'm not that good at drawing, and I like can dribble and stuff, but not to that level." And then <laughs> that's so many laws and so many books. I was not really attracted to it. And then I was like, "Okay, yeah, what I need to do is software engineering." I think it's, it's really incredible how we kind of, I mean, I, I'm sure this conversation happens all the time, but we put on very young people like, hey, choose what you're going to do the rest of your life. Because <laughs> when I was 18, I obviously made the choice to be an actress and to do musical theater, but I couldn't agree more. Like, I feel like 
if you had asked me when I was 18, uh, do you want to be a software engineer? I would laugh <laughs> in their face because I didn't, I too did not know what that meant and was not exposed to it when I was younger. So I think it's so cool that you kind of like reminded yourself, right? Like you taught your friend this really cool, fun, interesting thing you were doing. And then they were like, hey, remember that you like this thing? <laughs> I wish I had. You said their name was Angel. I wish I had an angel in my life. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Could have gotten to me sooner. <laughs> yeah. And it's def- it, you're completely right. Like something I also learned is really bad, was really valuable to me while going through this uh, path, right? Because, okay, I already decided kind of what I wanted to do. I wanted to be a software engineer. I want to do software engineering, but I, there were two main problems in that statement for me at that time. I was about to start university and I felt like I wasted some of my years in, in high school because there's, uh, there was a certain, uh, some certain type of subjects, you know, you didn't, uh, had to like give your a hundred percent to get like a, a passing grade. So I felt like I was kind of distracted in high school. And now that I wanted to be a good software engineer, it's, uh, one of my inspiration, as I said, is my father. He's like a, a master in his field. He can literally look at space, draw something, and he will draw it like, like an architect will. Like he will put all the measurements. He will make that space come alive. And he has always like uh, influenced me in that way that if, you're going to do something, make sure you're going to do whatever you like, you feel like doing, but make it with your hundred percent. So I wanted to give my hundred percent in software engineering. And then my imposter syndrome that I didn't know what it was at that time kicked in. I was like, okay, I'm about to start <laughs> university, but I feel I'm lacking calculus. I'm lacking uh, physics and all of these subjects that are, are really important for an engineer. And I was like, oh, my God. And I'm going to one of the the university I studied. It's like the one of the top engineering universities in DR. So I was like, okay, I want to be a good software engineer. I want to to change. Uh, when I, while working, I want to change people's life with the software I produce. And I want to, uh, you know, uh, do good work. So how can I even sit in a class? With, other, with all of these genius students that for me, at that time, everybody that was in tech had to be a genius. They had to be <laughs> like an angel brought from the heavens and they were right. like illuminated, right? <laughs> that, yeah. was my, that was my perception of people that worked with tech at that time. And I was like, I can't even sit in the class because I don't even know the, the calculus, right? <laughs> and it's um, such a but, strange industry to be in personally coming from a world where you can become an expert singer or an expert dancer and you can pretty much like, you know, you won't learn everything, but you can like get to a point of competency in, you know, your arts to feel that you are an expert. But I personally, I'm waiting. I mean, I meet so, so many smart people in my role here at Microsoft and over the last couple of years in my career, but I am always the same way. I'm constantly striving to be like, okay, it's going to, one of these days, I'm going to feel like, all right, I know what I'm doing. And then you learn about a whole nother language or programming concept, or you start (laughs) reading about quantum and you're like, oh no, I don't know anything. (laughs) Quantum computers computers are terrifying. Well, not, I'm not scared of them, but I recognize that once quantum computing becomes a thing, then everything I know, like all the uh, yep. software I've written in the last 10 years, like just throw <laughs> it out the window because computers don't work that way anymore. <laughs> and like part of me is kind of like, well, maybe quantum computing will happen after I retire. <laughs> but yeah. like it's already coming. There's I've heard um, I forget which cloud, but there's quantum computers in the cloud now that you can wow. rent. And I'm sure it's not cheap, but. Yeah, it's like a real thing now. uh, Like, there's so much overwhelming stuff. Like, even when I was first starting out in my career, I worked at a company that focused on Docker and learning Kubernetes. Still, Kubernetes makes me nervous. But um, (laughs) there's just all these new different technologies and programs that come out that it's really hard to keep up. And I think the best advice that I ever got um, is from Tom. Uh, Shout out to Tom Will Fix It, uh, who was a Docker captain at one of the first Docker cons, one of the first events I ever went to. And I asked for his advice because I was just starting out in the industry. And 
I always think about this a lot, which is that everyone always needs beginner content. Um, Because in the nature of my role, I'm creating a lot of content. I work with a lot of students. Um, And this is so true. And I actually was, was sharing this with PJ, who I think is in the chat now, that UI changes all the time, uh, products change all the time, different features change all the time. So if you're ever feeling, you know, oh my gosh, like nobody needs to hear this blog about how to get started with blank or like, why am I building this project to get started with XYZ language? Like there's people who are far beyond me. Just remember that everyone had to start from where you're at. And I think it's really easy to forget that when the concepts that we're trying to learn are really difficult and really uh, <laughs> can mess with yeah. your brain. <laughs> yeah, and that's, that's definitely something. DJ says uh, Oh. <laughs> <laughs> and that's something I uh, I actually realized when, once I had like, all those mental blocks you create yourself. So like the playing field was set for me in my head. Once I had like that, that chalk in reality, right? I was like, okay, I want to do this. I have all this mental barriers so how can i start breaking them down right so uh a couple of things that helped me really uh helped me out in that time was always trying to to keep myself in check right trying to motivate myself and trying to keep my goals i i had this big goal that i had uh but i had to break it down into a little bit more realistic uh goals that I could achieve with the limitations I had at that time. So we were, uh, at that time, I still wasn't uh, going through the crisis with my family. So we had to open, uh, oh, another thing I used to do, I even got to be kind of a chef and a cook. And uh, because we had to open a restaurant in front of our, in front of my university one year after I started, because we needed some of other different type of income to, to, to stay uh, afloat, right? So we created this awesome restaurant in front of uh, my university called Seven Dips. And the whole concept, the whole uh, problem we solved with it was that during my first year there, I noticed uh, there was not uh, a lot of places where you could uh, eat uh, some good quality food and just go and relax. The mo- most of the places that were uh, near the university at that time uh, had really poor hygiene and were not that adequate to eat. So if you were like me, that I used to live two hours away from the university, I had to stay the whole day there and like eat and stuff, but it was not that comfortable. I was I would miss my home a lot. So when we created the restaurant, we created with a, with a concept, which was uh, kind of a mix between Dominican, Repo- uh, Dominican Republic uh, food culture and American culture. So... We would have uh, all sorts of food, like uh, we will make pasta, we will make uh, waffles in the morning for the students, we would uh, create a ton of desserts. My sister, uh, she loves making desserts, she will create brownies, and just make like a little house you could be at while you were uh, spending your day in the university, and with all the stress that that, that brings to you, right? Because you also it need so to nice. keep in mind... Yeah. <laughs> oh, I see you put the, the Instagram. That's our old Instagram. Right now, the restaurant is no longer there because I moved back to the United States with my family. But yeah, we have some pictures there of the food. And, and it uh, sounds it like amazing. a lot of running a restaurant, just based on what I know from people who've worked in the hospitality industry, it's a lot like community building. Like being a restaurant is being yeah. part of the community and being able, it sounds like you really created like a safe fun space for people. Oh, I miss restaurants, you guys. Yeah. <laughs> I really miss going to restaurants. <laughs> yeah. And I definitely recommend anyone that um, has the opportunity uh, to work in, in some type of work that has to do with customer service and yeah. dealing with people. I think it should be a requirement for anybody who works yeah. in engineering to work in CS for at yeah. least... Oh, at minimum a month, because (laughs) I think I learned the most about anything that I've ever learned, just answering customer support tickets for two years, even though I wanted to scream sometimes. (laughs) But that's why I think like knowing when, especially when you're working on a product, um, like, I mean, restaurants the same way, right? Like it's one of those things where the customer's always right. Like if people Mm -hmm. are saying, hey, this part of your app is not bad and you're getting a lot of feedback on that 
maybe time to listen to the customer here. Um, and I think uh, especially working in customer support on a, I worked at a video game company for a while. You start to understand as someone seeing all the inbound things that are like, oh, like this is a known issue, but it needs to be prioritized. And it yeah. makes you think a lot more as an engineer, like, okay, there may be features that I want, but let's think about who these features are really for. <laughs> yeah. And definitely a lot of priority. Uh, you have to learn how to put a lot of priority while dealing with a restaurant, as you say, because and more if you kind of break uh, the market and where you are. Because our our restaurant is completely a different concept. It was kind of like a franchise in front of a business that would not formally set. So our demand was crazy. Like the first day nice. we opened, the line will be like out the door. And we were totally not prepared for this. We literally like <laughs> just the necessary to get by the day because we were not in a good spot at that time, right? And when we see this huge light, like in 20 minutes, everything we had in stock finished. So wow. we literally had to go running and and uh, buy new ingredients, tell them to wait. Uh, everything wasn't paid for in that time. At that time, I still did not know much about tech. So that was also an, a, another thing I got to, to like experience. So we had this long process to take orders. We had... People will wait like around an hour to get their food. And just to order, they will take like 20 minutes. So as soon as this got worse and worse, because the lines will not go down. Uh, I started investigating about software we could use or how could we automate the process we were doing because everything was handwritten. The orders we, we were sent to the back were also handwritten. So we would have to take the order, place it in our book, right? To keep track of what we sold and then make a receipt for the kitchen that they were going to use and probably was going to get lost. And then we had another receipt to keep track of what was in the back. So that was like three things you had to uh, fill on your own uh, before sending the order. So I found a, a good uh, point of sale system. I learned how it works uh, just reading documentation, which also helped me to like realize how important documentation is in our work. Because this software, I got and I bought in online, right? But I I literally uh, couldn't afford uh, hiring the, the technicians to install it and come to the country because they were not based in the art. Yeah. So I had to learn everything from the ground up, implement it. And once we implemented, the change was com was uh, really big. We, we will go down from you having to wait an hour to get your food in less than 50 minutes, we will get your order out and you will leave to your class. I, I'm like, yeah. documentation. <laughs> yes, 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 yes. Yeah. <laughs> Please, could not agree more. I think the assumption that we put on people, like just even from an accessibility standpoint, that they'll be able to use our software right out of the box is uh, no good. So I... Yeah. Yes. Oh my gosh. That's amazing that you were able to cut down the time that much. What do you think, what was it that you were eliminating in that process that you switched to digitally that did that? Yeah. So we automated basically everything, right? Because before when you came, I had to take your name and write down what you wanted and calculate the prices manually with my calculator as well. Oh my gosh. <laughs> and all of that was manual. So that was only one piece of the, of the problem. Just getting the order in the system and logging everything for our accountability, right? After that, I had to create two more tickets, one for the kitchen so they can prepare the food and one in the front so I can give it to the customer and also keep track that is still in the kitchen and I can call for his food and keep track of it. So all of that in the system I could do and I could do everything integrated. So I had two printers. One gave me the, the client receipt and one gave me the kitchen receipt. And I would just take the order and the system would generate everything I needed. And in less than uh, one to two minutes, if the client knew already what he wanted to order, he will pay and, and already be waiting for his order and everything will be in the kitchen getting ready. So the only time they had to wait was just the cooking time. And we had to also learn about processes and uh, how do we congest? Because when we opened the restaurant, we had no knowledge about that. Yeah. And my mom is also an inspiration for me because 
she had to go to chef classes and get all this knowledge that at the moment she didn't have. And also we chipped in and learned as well. And it's just like, it gave me a good perception and help, has helped me a lot right now in that everything, you have a goal, but it's not like you're always going to have a happy path to come to it, right? So you're going to be doing a ton of different uh, positions and jobs that might not be related to where you're going to end up, but at the end, everything adds up and everything is of value because going under that contest pressure, having all these customers at... Uh, waiting for the food, hungry, they need to get to class because they only have 50 minutes for break. Uh, it, it, it teaches you a lot of how to have patience and how to prioritize and how to uh, organize mentally uh, all the process you need to execute to get the job done, right? And keep everyone happy. And if you know there's a shortage of something, hey, let's take this off the menu today and let's just leave it for next week because the products for this week are not working. And that actually happens even in software. If you see you found the bug in, a, in an area of your product, is it actually worth it to have the, the users go to that section of the site, always find the, get the, the error message, right? Uh, and get like a bad feeling about your product and eventually leaving it. No, it's just so take yeah, just take it's down. so interesting how many parallels there are between, you know, I, I think similarly, you know, people who maybe don't envision themselves as software engineers early on in life are like, I don't have any experience with anything like this. But what you just explained about that first day opening and getting that huge influx of people, that's like probably a problem that you're trying to solve with SLA around the holidays on a product, right? Yep. So it's exactly. so interesting to see how you've really been able to use these experiences in your experience as a software engineer. It's so cool. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And so we had all this, uh, I had this really busy life and I was starting my, my software engineering, right? And that was the main horror for me. I had no time to study. I was... I literally got out of my house from 5 a.m. and we'll get back home at 11 in the night and repeat every day, right? So I will have like two to three hours of study between my classes and working all day in the restaurant because we couldn't uh, have uh, like the whole fleet of employees you you will want to have, right? Because you're starting out. So it this also this also taught me about how to work uh, between the, the frame, uh, I mean, between the resources you have, right? So I had to study and I wanted to be good, but I had to find creative ways of keep, of keeping up with uh, with the university and with my studies because uh, other, other students could have four or six hours of time to study and do projects. I only had two. So yeah. a good thing I also learned was like to ask for help uh, and fail quickly, right? So if I knew that I got something in the morning, a new subject in calculus that I didn't quite understand, I started reaching out to tutors and and which were older students in the class that were really good. And I will I will be like, hey, I actually need help with this. I can pay you like for a tutoring session. And in the night, I will get a tutoring session for an hour uh, and really uh, get a hold of the knowledge. So I could uh, eventually, when I go back to the class, I can have it more fresh, right? And and, and don't let the, the knowledge uh, skip away because you have so many stuff in the head at the same time. But that definitely is when I started noticing, as you said, that community and mentoring people is so important in our field. Like, yeah. if it wasn't because of that, I, I, I don't think uh, I would have been able to, like, uh, get ahead uh, as good as I did because something I also started to get uh, take advantage of is I became an event coordinator in a technology event covered coordinator in my university. Be, at first, for a kind of selfish reason, because <laughs> I knew <laughs> there was a lot of communities in my country that had great professionals, uh, people with a lot of knowledge. And something that characterized uh, that ca characterize, uh, uh, really uh, professionals that have a lot of knowledge is that they're most of the time willing to share their knowledge with, with you. If you're honestly trying to learn and 
and you you're just curious about something they they love doing they will dedicate for you an hour half an hour completely free of cost and and just to get you to help you get started because as you said we all started from nothing like i when i started my university i knew nothing <laughs> i knew i, I didn't even Same. know what like a, a programming <laughs> language was i only knew the html tag i started and ended university knowing nothing about software engineering so you're yeah. both ahead of me <laughs> <laughs> yeah exactly so uh definitely that's now you can see where i'm at now and you can see all of this uh key pieces i've been Uh, talking about how everything gets connected and at the moment when you're living it you don't you don't really get how everything is connected right it's so But true now that i'm a software engineer i moved i migrated to the us one of the mental barriers i had was that okay i want to be a software engineer i want to move back to us and be with all the rest of my family that was here like my aunts my uncles my cousins but uh doing engineering here For me, in my mind, was like, oh my god, how am I gonna even get considered if I'm coming from a Hispanic country? They they probably don't even know my university. Uh, and for me, everybody that that was in the states as uh, studying engineering was like the geniuses again, right? But during my school and all those experiences with the community and and learning how to be a speaker, how to give talks, how to Uh, have uh, people come to the university uh, and just uh, share their knowledge. I started breaking all those walls and realizing that uh, it's actually not as I thought. Everybody is just trying to figure out how to make, uh, how to get to the goals and how to make life work. So what what maybe worked for me, maybe is not going to work exactly a hundred percent for you, but You shouldn't feel like you're alone in the fight, right? Yeah. Uh, you you should know that everybody, even right now, I'm a software engineer. I'm working as a senior software mobile developer. Every day, I learn something new, and I get excited when I learn something new because I know that, like for example, last week, uh, Brandon was talking about the new stuff we got in C Sharp nine, uh, which we got a bunch right. of um, <laughs> taxes and, and goodies for us. And when he talked to me about records, I was like, wait, but that's going to save me so much time. Oh, my God, that's so awesome. And uh, once he explained it for me at first, I was like, wait, but how is that actually working? And do I, do I need to change my my whole class and everything? But once he explained it, I was like, wait, this is the same thing that I can use it right now. And that's that's basically <laughs> what motivated me, uh, keeps motivating me to keep learning Keep getting better and step by uh, like little by little, you get to where you want to go. Because yeah. When you small just, incremental yeah. changes. <laughs> yeah. When you give a talk and, and you go to an event and you so and you see someone uh, that is kind of lost in, in terms of trying to ask you about a certain topic they're having trouble with, and when you explain to them how it works and they get it, and you see like their expression change, like you get such a good feeling inside. Yeah. So, yeah, I think a, a community events, uh, mentoring is definitely one of the key takeaways, key takeaway I want uh, people to, to have from this session is that don't be afraid to reach out, keep failing. Don't be afraid of like uh, getting stuff wrong. Nobody gets it right at the first time. <laughs> I definitely did not. I'd, uh, everything is eventually going to work out. We just need to keep pushing forward and uh, keep meeting awesome people like you, Chloe, Brandon, and just... Well, I think you've provided so much value to our viewers today and everybody who's going to watch this after the live stream. Uh, PJ says here, that's me, always lost, <laughs> LOL. I relate, yeah. PJ. Um, well, thank you so, so much for coming on today. I'm so excited for more people to hear this story because I think we don't talk enough about how uncomfortable it can feel to get started in this industry. And I think uh, I really, really appreciate your your honesty today because it was all very, very relatable. I know uh, PJ is definitely uh, feeling, <laughs> feeling the vibes here. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And, and we only have a couple seconds left, but I do want to plug um, Luis's, yes. uh, he runs the .NET Dominicana meetup. 
And so we've had nothing but amazing comments rolling in this whole time, Luis. Everybody's incredibly impressed by your story and everybody's feeling inspired. And so if if you are one of those people feeling inspired, uh, join Luis at the .NET Dominicana meetup. It's meetup.com slash uh, .NET Dom. And I've been there. Uh, I've helped with the live streams or been a guest on the live streams rather and encourage everybody else to join us. So we only have 10 seconds left. Luis, I just want to say thank you so, so much for joining us. Uh, hopefully we can have you back on the show to learn more of your wisdom and uh, more about your story again in the future. But uh, I'll be glad to be here. <laughs> thank you for having me and thank you everyone for, for, for coming and, and looking at the stream. Bye. Bye. Thanks so much. We'll see you next week.